Turner drives one to center, chasing Nimmo back to the warning track. Right at the pass. He made the catch! Oh, wow! The catch of the year from Brad Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Shea Station podcast. It's episode 95. It is Friday, September 2nd. I'm one of your co-hosts, Jack A.K. Jolly Olive, and joining me in person once again is my guide, Jerry Blevins. And Jerry, we have some exciting news before I ask you how you are. Do you want to know what it is? I would love to. Well, today's episode of Shea Station and all episodes of Shea Station from now to the end of their playoff run for the Mets is brought to you by Bear Burger, our first ever partnering sponsor. Yeah, Bear Burger. Thank you. Thank Bear you. Burger. Full round of applause like that. You guys know about Bear Burger by this point. We absolutely love them. They have something for everyone. Yes, even you. They're the best burger joint around, and there's probably one near your area with the best Bear Burger kitchen and bar happy hour. It's the best in New York City, probably the best from where you're from as well. Exotic burgers galore. Elk burgers, ostrich, and bison burgers are just a few. I had the turkey burger recently. Pretty delicious. Not going to lie. They got bar bites. They got everything you could wish for with their lunch specials. You got to go check them out. Uh, Check out their uh, link to their website, which is in our description. And, you know, they'll be with us for the next couple months. So you're going to be hearing a lot about them. I definitely think you should give them a try. And thank you to them for partnering up with us. Thank you, Bear Burger. Big for Shea Station. Yeah, we're doing big things here. I know, we're near episode 100 now. Oh my God. How close are we? What episode is this? This is 95, so we're five away. Oh my. I hope it's like a big series. Like if they get swept. Even if it's not, we're going to make it a big series. Yeah, we're going to make it a huge deal. We probably. No, we can't. We're going to sold. Well, I'll leave it to you guys. I'm just just here. Yeah, Jack's the life of the show, really. (laughs) He's carrying us in the background. Oh. Big news. Yeah, more big news? More big news. Okay. The Mets played some baseball. That's right. Days, and uh, they played pretty well. Against a very good team. Against a very... So I've heard that they're pretty good. So yeah. I've heard. The Mets took two out of three from the Los Angeles Dodgers. They won the season series against the Dodgers for the first time, I think, since 2015, as they went four and three in seven games. We got a whole lot to talk about. First, Jerry, how are you doing, man? How was your flight? I'm great, man. Nice and easy. Got in last night. Late one. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I just love being here in person, man. Yeah, this man. is uh, a fun. We need to. This is a regular thing now. Yeah, it's getting semi regular. We're gonna see a lot of it in the September. The whole crew's here. The yeah. two Jacks, the Jerry, the Triple Jays. This is where the magic happens. This is it. This and is we're yeah, cool. we're in here on a Friday, which is like uh, Barron Wasteland in the John Boy yeah, office. This everybody, is your first Friday here, right? It is. Plus, it's a holiday weekend. Yeah. Uh, so everybody's like out of town. It's a little scary. There's like maybe two people in the office this morning besides us. But Jimmy and Jake are here. They're usually not here on Fridays. So oh. Kind of a unique Friday. I think they came in just I, it's for you. Bi- it's for me. Yeah, it's for you. I feel special. It's all for him. Yeah, the Mets played some good baseball. A lot of stuff happened these past three days. Brandon Nimmo kind of made the catch of the year, maybe. That's what Gary Cohen called it. I mean, um, Gary says it. It's fact. Probably true <laughs> at this point. And uh, this was really the last tough series for the Mets because now we begin this September schedule uh, where the Mets have the lowest winning percentage against for their opponents of any team in baseball. So things are going to get a little uh, cozy from here on in. Hopefully. Let's hope. Let's baseball hope. is still baseball. Yeah. You still have to play, but it's definitely at least a little bit smoother sailing from here on out. Definitely agree. Should we get things started? Yeah, let's get it going. All right, Jack, play that funky music. As I talk about game one, the Mets welcomed the red-hot Dodgers into town who were 20-10. and 10 
heading into the series in their last 30. Nimmo lead off the game with a single there. Marte drags a bunt against Andrew Heaney, and he stops it from going foul and tosses it away. Kind of helps out the Mets a little bit as Nimmo can come all the way around to score, and Marte reaches third. But the Mets strike out twice, and a caught ceiling ends the rally there. So they only get one in the first, and Taiwan Walker, who had pitched well against the Dodgers earlier in the season, ran into trouble in the third inning during his second go-around of the lineup. It was an Austin Barnes single, a Mookie Betts double with nobody out. He does strike out Trey Turner, and he gets Freeman to pop out, so there's two outs on the board, but then he makes some costly errors here. Muncie draws a walk, and with the bases loaded, Joey Gallo is hit by a pitch up and in, so that brings in a run to tie the game. And then Gavin Lux, who was a pest this entire series, up until that last game, we'll talk about that, he singles home two runs to give the Dodgers the lead. Trace Thompson strikes out to end the rally, but the Mets get a little bit of their power back. Starling Marte gets one back with a solo home run in the third. He had a big series. And Mark Canna, who stays hot and stays clutch, ties the game with a solo shot in the fourth inning. Tyron Walker he was able to settle down, get through five and a third after that shaky third inning. Three and runs allowed, five strikeouts. ERA stays at 3.45 on the season. Seth Lugo comes in. He's been great for quite a while now. Uh, a double, uh, bases, and there's bases loaded for Lugo after a couple walks, but he does strike out the batter to get out of it. The Mets get two runners on against Heaney in the fifth and sixth, but they do not score. So another costly mistake there by the Mets leaving runners on. And then the seventh inning, Buck decides to go with Joely Rodriguez to kick off the seventh. It does not go well. Kind of not his fault on this Freddie Freeman double that just hits an awkward part of the field and dribbles down the line. Uh, and then he gets an intentional walk and an RBI single to Lux. So Tommy Hunter, your guy, comes in and is able to navigate out of the situation. He walks one but gets consecutive outs to limit the damage at one run. The Mets go down in the 7th and the 8th, though, with just one base runner against Alex Vesia and Phillips. And Michael Givens, who I was a little worried about facing the heart of the Dodgers order in the 8th inning, he goes 1-2-3 against Betts, Turner, and Freeman. He goes two shutout innings, so good for Givens. He needed that in a big way. The Dodgers, who were depleted at this point, playing consecutive games, they had a four-game set with Miami prior. They have to use old friend Jake Reed in the ninth inning for the save. Uh, Escobar got a leadoff single, and Vogie worked a great count until he rose, rolls over into a double play, and Nimmo hits into a ground out right after securing Jake Reed's first career save. He pops off. Big celebration for Jake Reed in the middle of the rain. The Mets do squander numerous chances to win this game. 0 for 4 with runners in scoring position. They leave seven men on. Tough night for Alonzo, who I'm repping right now. 0 for 4, three strikeouts, five left on base. The Mets lose game one, 4 to 3, kind of putting them in a tough spot for the rest of the series. Good recap. Thank Good you. recap. Uh, yeah, Jake Reed there. I, I want to talk about that. Yeah. Good for him, man. Like, uh, it was emotional for him. He yeah. didn't leave the Mets on bad terms. They moved on. Yep. And so this felt bigger for him in an emotional moment for the team that basically told him he's not good enough to be on their team. Right. He shuts down with a one-run lead in the ninth in a, the biggest moment, arguably, uh, a relief pitcher can have. Mm -hmm. He showed out. And so I get it, man. Show some emotion. Yeah. Uh, that's you proving to yourself and to the other team that they made a mistake, which is uh, what every athlete wants to do. So I don't mind that. But the big story for me is not hitting with runners in scoring yeah. position. That was Once that again. was the you know the the theme for basically all of the Mets losses. Yeah, I mean very much so in the month of August as it just kind of been that story. We've gotten great pitching this month. Uh, Taiwan had that rough inning, but he settled in after. Um, and this was a Dodgers bullpen that was very low on energy, and that's kind of why Jake Reed was in that situation. 
It does give a different feeling than the Paul Seawald save against us, I think, where he shushes the crowd. Because I, I, that, that celebration was more for Reed than I think it was against the Mets in any way. Because this is a guy that, you know, had bounced between the Dodgers and Mets twice now, going back and forth. So a good moment for him. Yeah. Definitely. It was a tough road. loss. It felt yeah. it felt bigger than it was because we knew their bullpen was depleted. Yeah. We knew we could get to them. They had to roll out with their, you know, 26th man, basically. Right. Uh, and he threw up a zero in a big moment. They lost two to one. Yeah, good for or him. Or not two to one. They lost by one. Oh, yeah. Two to one is the next game, Jerry. True. Speaking of, game, game two, Jacob deGrom versus Tyler Anderson, a battle for the ages. And it lived up to it because after a walk to Trey Turner in the first, deGrom retires 12 in a row with six Ks. That's pretty good. Uh, in the bottom of the third, Nimmo single, Starling Marte smacks an absolute banger of a home run for a 2-0 lead. It was a changeup that Tyler Anderson does not give up home runs on. I think it's the second of the year. He's had an incredible year. Uh, but with one out, Mookie Betts smacks a home run in the sixth inning to cut the lead to 2-1. to one. With two outs, Freddie Freeman single, steals second, but is stranded because Will Smith gets a little fly out. Uh, in the seventh... Nimmo, the catch of the year, aforementioned by you. Uh, it was a stunning home run saving, home run robbery in center field. The replays are special. It was a special moment. I've never seen Brandon Nimmo so fired up and mm. deliver, deservedly so. Uh, Jacob DeGrom went incredibly. He went seven innings, that one earned run from a Mookie Betts home run. Gave up three hits, that one walk in the first with nine Ks on 93 pitches. Drops his ERA below two. Um, but that would be it, two to one. That would be the final score because Adovino dominates, and then in comes Edwin Diaz to Timmy Trumpet. It was an absolutely electric moment and an absolutely electric night with Degrom, Nimmo, Marte home run, capped off by the Edwin Diaz entrance and shutting down, and the Mets win game two, two to one. Very nice recap to you as well. Short and sweet, man. Short and sweet. You were correct on the Tyler Anderson note. That was just the second home run allowed on his changeup this year. See, that's what I do. That's deep research. Pretty good. That changeup's been a dirty pitch. Also, Jerry, I think we we might have to retire the game two curse as a joke. I think it's it's no longer a thing. I get every Jacob Degrom start, which I don't care what the curse was it's worked out yeah. i think i've gotten every, I think you've gotten every single he's one. like game two game four i believe almost everyone but yeah. it feels special to me um shout out to linda on, on twitter for yeah. always she understands what's she going on it. game she two w the, of the show yep she she understands five and two thank you in the last seven game twos so i think the mets they they heard us they know what's going on they're pulling through for you i like that a lot uh, so a lot to love in game two. Adovino looked great, and we're going to talk about him more in game three. Uh, Jake Reed was in here again through another scoreless inning against Marte, Lindor, and Alonso. Kind of like that for him, but the big story for me, Timmy Trumpet finally getting his moment. He decides to come back after sitting through game one, seeing worth that loss. It. Definitely big worth choice it. paid off. Yep. Because he did it. He crushed it in yeah. the moment. Like a trumpet, you can mess that up easy. I've heard plenty of it. Yeah. His first couple baseball games of his life, he had never been to, uh, been to one before, before this series. And uh, Diaz fit the bill perfectly. One, two, three, ninth inning. Gets a strikeout against Trey Turner. Diaz, uh, out before game three, had faced 201 batters this entire season and struck out 100 of them. Almost a clean 50%. Can I tell you something? Sure. I was nervous for Diaz. 
in game two? Yeah, in this one. Because all the pomp and circumstance, that is absolutely setting yourself up mm. for disaster. In any other With season. With Timmy Trumpet there, I was mm. like, oh gosh, if he messes this up right now, it's a, it's a chance to be a moment. But in 2022 Mets fashion, they lock it down in a big moment. Yeah. That was special. I was so nervous. I was like, oh... You're gonna if it if it goes bad, it's gonna be like a blunder, right. a, a moment because the the Dodgers ruined what was supposed to be a celebratory moment. Uh, it but been, it was it was theatrical, it was dramatic. That's what you want in baseball. That's what the people need as far as entertainment goes, and it's showing. Diaz has been one of the hottest, you know, hot button subjects, the mm. the clickable guys because of those entrances, and I'm glad it lived up to it. I was nervous though. I like the you said the word entertainment because I think the Mets have just been a key source of not only great baseball and winning baseball but entertainment this season. And that Timmy Trumpet intro, I think that clip now has 10 million views on Twitter or something, something insane like that. Uh, and the SNY crew killed it once again. Once with again, the dominated. Cinematic intro for him. They've just been crushing it this year. I don't know what the Emmy Award system is, but if there's one for broadcasting. There's got to be one going to SNL. They're, you know, they're they're doing so good. The the simple man, like there's some big moments. The yeah. the Buck Showalter when he gets hit by yeah. pitches and you, they zoom in on him. The you know the the Edwin Diaz walkout. The simple man Jake when he first came back to City Field. Yep. They just get the moments and they're smart enough to get out of their own way, allow baseball to entertain because that's what people are tuning in for. Uh, they top to bottom just really awesome production and i mean this was another game where the mets didn't hit entirely well they rode one big hit in the third inning for the win but when you have degrom to adovino to diaz it does not really matter because those guys were just absolutely immaculate nemo makes an incredible catch i i threw together a little compilation just showing the progress that nemo has made as a fielder from 2020 to 2022 because I, I think I don't remember a ton of the 2020 season I don't think a lot of us do in general especially if you're a Mets fan kind of a forgettable year um, but I didn't realize how much Nimmo has improved with his range his ability to get the first step correct I think he starts a little bit more back on the ball now just in center field in general and it's just been such a huge difference watching him cover ground I'll check that field. out did you tweet it out I tweeted I'll it look out, at yeah. it and we'll, we'll chat later but uh Take us into game three, sir. Game three. So the Mets win a big game two. They send Chris Bassett to the bump, but facing off against him is a returning Clayton Kershaw from the injured list. Kershaw has dominated the Mets in his career. Uh, In the first inning, though, it wasn't looking that way. The Mets were able to load the bases on a pair of walks and an infield single, and Mark Canna does his thing, drawing an RBI walk to give the Mets a 1-0 lead. But they don't get more than that, and that was the theme of this series. Darren Ruff pops out, Jeff McNeil pops out with the bases loaded, so the Mets only get one run, and Kershaw really settled in after that. We'll get to that in a second. The Dodgers respond quickly against Bassett. They load the bases themselves and respond with a Chris Taylor two-run single to get the lead and Kershaw retires 12 in a row through the fifth inning after that shaky first but luckily he's on that tight pitch count so he was out after the fifth inning and Chris Bassett after that shaky second he labors but he tosses a very significant quality start to keep the Mets in this game six innings two earned runs six hits three walks and four strikeouts on 103 pitches for the Bassett Hound his ERA goes down to 3.32 a big rally in the sixth inning but he gets Gavin Lux to ground out with two men on to keep it two to one and he's gone at least six six innings in 20 of his 25 starts this season 
So that's a pretty crazy stat for him, the workhorse. Uh, after Kershaw leaves, the Mets are able to rally again because he has that voodoo magic over them where he just, you know, can't get him out. Uh, Marte singles on a routine infield grounder that Lux kind of stayed back on, kind of lollygagged, didn't realize Marte's speed, and Lindor makes him pay right after with a game-tying double. Kind of a risky play right after, Lindor swipes third, he catches the Dodgers sleep, and even though it was a pretty good throw from Will Smith, could have made a better tag there, but Lindor gets the back of the back. And Darren Ruff, we finally thought he might have got his first one, golfed the ball down the left field line, will it go foul, will it go out? It stays in for a sacrifice fly, and the Mets go up 3-2. to two. Trevor May looked really good in the seventh inning, struck out a pair, only walked one in a scoreless seventh. He has scoreless appearances in four of his last five outings, as he continues to improve and find his footing. Poor James McCann, he kind of hit the ball hard this entire game, only got one hit out of it, but it was a screaming double in the seventh inning. And then Brandon Nimmo kind of dunks one in the right field. Lux and Betts don't communicate properly, and it falls in, so the Mets get another run. And Marte swings 3-0 for an RBI single, and that makes it 5-2 Mets. Buck uses Diaz in the eighth inning to face the heart of the Dodgers order, which I like. Diaz did look a little human, though. Kind of erratic in this one. A walk, a hit-by-pitch, and a pair of very deep flyouts, one of which was a sacrifice fly. But luckily, Diaz strikes out the new Met killer, Gavin Lux, with 103 on the gun right down the middle of fastball to end that threat. From there, it was all Mets. Adam Onovino locks down his third save of the week, coming in for the ninth with a pair of strikeouts. His ERA is down to 2.01. The Mets win 5-3. They take the season series from the Dodgers. And even though they didn't perform great offensively, they're able to scratch out two wins against the best team in baseball. Yeah, man. Um, that game three, Gavin Lux had a couple of blunders uh, fielding the ball. Yeah. And a good team takes advantage of it, and that's what the Mets did. against. Here, This is the overall scope of this series for me. The Dodgers are a great team. Yeah. And the Mets found ways to beat a great team. When your when your offense isn't producing tons of runs, you got to figure it out. You got to take advantage of uh, shaky Clayton Kershaw and get yeah. a run in the first. You got to take advantage of a miscue in the field and make them pay. And the Mets made them pay. It was timely hitting. It was just enough to get a W. And that's what playoff baseball is because you're going to face the best pitchers. You're not always going to put up eight nine runs and so when it when it comes down to it it doesn't matter if it's pretty or not it matters if you play clean baseball on the defensive side you get great starting pitching and you're always going to have a chance to win and the Mets won two out of three could have won all three could have lost all three you know that's that's good baseball but a better team came out on top one two out of three like that a lot. Yeah, you really could have lost every game in this series and the Mets also could have swept here. I mean, both of these are entirely true. Uh, but the key was good starting pitching. I mean, Taiwan's outing doesn't read really well in game one, but he did. He pitched very Mets, well. He, he kept the Mets in the game mm-hmm. after that shaky inning. DeGrom was obviously, and DeGrom looked absolutely dominant. But, you know, if Nimmo doesn't rob that ball, it's two solo home runs. The game's tied. It can go either way. And Chris Bassett's outing, really, really good. Bassett's been very consistently quality start good for a while. And this was his toughest challenge of the season for sure. And he was up to the bill. I mean, 103 pitches. It seems like we see him well over 100 every single time. Uh, but it just doesn't matter. Uh, he had a great start here. And the Mets bullpen is really starting to find their footing and, you know, get solid when we really need them to. I'll talk about the bullpen quickly. It's yep. um, Diaz, obviously. Adovino. Lugo has been great since um, the first week of August. I think he's really just turned it on. Uh, started just throwing the shit out of the ball. Yeah. Uh, and then Trevor May's looking really good. 
like back to Trevor May. Like he looks himself, which is awesome. Uh, so if we can get those guys going, uh, it's going to be absolute weapons at the back end of the bullpen. Uh, I wanted to touch on Terrence Gore, who mm. made his debut, yeah. had a huge stolen base. This guy's story of baseball is fascinating. The fastest man on the planet, possibly. Uh, he's played nine years in the big leagues, uh, 15 hits. Crazy. 15 hits, three World Series rings. He's just a pinch runner. They took the specialty out of baseball when they took the loogie out for me. Mm. They got rid of my specialty, right. but speed is the fun part of the game. So his specialty is I'm really fast, and I'll steal you bases, and I'll score runs. And in a, in a series like against the Dodgers in the playoffs, where you have to take advantage of situations, that's what Terrence Gore does. Yeah, Vogie, let's say it. Like it this is kind of how it sets up. Vogelback works account finds his way onto first base whether it's a walk or a hit or whatever he does in steps terrence gore and you have an absolute dynamic guy at the plate followed by one of the most dynamic base runners in modern baseball yep uh it's it was a cool moment so that's what i want to talk about and then chris bass is the last thing is you said 20 of 25 starts he's yep. gone six plus and it was all in that one chunk where when DeGrom June, right? and Scherzer both went down, we thought he would need to step up, and he kind of lost his way, and then Taiwan and Cookie stepped up. But that's Bassett. This is what he does. He is a true workhorse. Hop on my back. I'm going to eat up 200 innings. I'm going to give you 100-plus pitches every time, and I'm going to give you six-plus innings. Uh, it's, it's special to watch, and on a team that needs that with the kind of babying of DeGrom and Scherzer and Taiwan and Cookie coming back off injuries and, and laboring. This guy's just been like, look, I'm just going to give you a bullpen day. I'm going to go six strong at least every time, and I'm going to be consistent. He's been consistent outside of that little rough stretch where he had a, a tough five starts or whatever it was. Yeah, it really was just, I think, tough four or five starts. It was the middle of May, so when Scherzer went down to uh, the second week in June, uh, 26 innings, 23 earned runs. So he had a really tough go of it, especially that start against the uh, the Padres that did not go well. That was the culmination. Yes. And then after that, he had the eight shutout innings against the Brewers, and ever since, he's just been cruising. Um, you mentioned Seth Lugo before, 1.62 ERA since July 17th. So middle of July, he's been awesome. And Terrence Gore, you know, he knows these Dodgers well. He last played for them in 2020 when they won the World Series. And the Mets have had him in their pocket for a while now. I think since January was maybe when they added him on, knowing that this was going to be the plan in September. Get him on the 40-man just before uh, the cutoff, so he's postseason eligible. And, I mean, the first time they put it into action, it worked beautifully. Vogelback works a walk, Gore pinch runs, immediately steals a base. If the Mets score a run there, it's 6-3. to three, You get the insurance run there. Um, but that's a formula that can can continue to work for them uh, regardless of who they're playing. Uh, so it's really nice to see Terrence Gore back in the bigs. And I think how old is he? He's 31 now, and he hasn't lost a shred of that speed whatsoever. He's still lightning quick. And uh, it's much better to have him on your team than playing against you like we did in 2015. So there you go. That's true. It's a good yeah. point. That was the uh, the 2015 Royals. They just ran all over us. <laughs> Crazy. It's nice to be cool. the team running over people. You want to do Apple? Uh, can I tell you who it's brought to you by? Oh, please do. All right, cool. Uh, today's Apple of Our Eye is brought to us by Stadium Map Art. Get the perfect gift for anyone in your life with Stadium Map Art. They push laser engraving to the limit, creating detailed wooden 3D stadium coasters, maps, and magnets. Over 150 stadiums to choose from and counting. It's great for living rooms, fan caves, and sports bars anywhere. And it looks great even when not in use and is sure to be a conversation piece around any 
table. Now they can imagine themselves at the stadium of their favorite team while enjoying a drink at home. I love that. There's over 10,000 coasters they've shipped so far, and each coaster is individually cut and engraved out of birch plywood I'm, at their I'm studio. I'm looking at it now. It's pretty cool stuff. And their studio is in Toledo, Ohio. So there you go, close to home. I have to, to go take a, take a visit. Crafted by father and son team Dave and Zach Holt. like that. Maybe they're related to Brock. Who knows? Uh, so if you're the worst gift giver, find the perfect gift for the sports fan in your life with 3D stadium coasters, maps, and magnets. Handcrafted and laser engraved in the USA by Stadium Map Art. Find your team's stadium at their website, stadiummapart.com, and use our code SHEA15 to get $15 off your next order of over $15. $50. So Shea 15 for $15 off your order of $50. Thank you to Stadium Map Art for sponsoring today's Apple of our eye. I'm going to let you go first. Thank you, Stadium Map Art. I'm going to go first. Okay. I wanted to highlight. I'm, I'm still undecided. Oh, you are. I nope, I'm decided. Okay. Cool. I'm going to highlight Brandon Nimmo. Brandon yep. Nimmo went five for 13, three runs scored that RBI, but the big home run robbery almost got my vote. That's mm. the one I wanted to highlight. Okay. Uh, but I gotta go with Francisco Lindor again. Look at I you. can't help it, Francisco Lindor. You are the apple of my soul. <laughs> uh, five for ten, a run, RBI, a walk, a hit by pitch, a stolen base, and absolutely incredible defense. As always, as always, the, the he's so consistent. So, if you watch Mets baseball day in day out, you appreciate Francisco Lindor. You appreciate what Lindor has done all season long. It doesn't jump out at all on the stat page where you're like, oh, you know, this guy's hitting 340 or his OPS is over 1,000. But on the whole, he's in there every day. He's playing incredible defense, and he's just been smashing the ball for a long time now. Um, You wrote down, it's the first shortstop in Mets history with 20-plus home runs and 15-plus bags in a season. That's pretty spectacular, but it's not just that. It's the complete package. Yep. Um, this was a highlight of what he did because when the Dodgers kind of had some hiccups, we took advantage of it, but Lindor, the the captain of the defense, didn't allow the Mets to have blunders. Uh, and for that, you know, the leadership, he is the apple of my eye. Great apple. As I can't always. help it. I love I know. Lindor. I know. He's I underappreciated he for, you know, $341 million. Underpaid, <laughs> probably, right? Underpaid. <laughs> I, almost, I, I did think about, yeah, Marte. He's, Marte had a great series. Five yeah. for 11, four runs, four RBI, a walk, two homers. He might be my apple, but I did some thinking. And also Eduardo Escobar, quiet, three for 10 with a double. Good for him. We need him to get back on track and become productive again. I thought I was going to go with a hitter. And, uh, you know, I never get to talk about him because he's never in my game recaps, as you pointed out before. Uh, The apple of my eye is going to be Jacob deGrom. I don't think we've given him a lot of apples. I think he's might have gotten none or one. Well, uh, we've got other performers happening. Mm -hmm. He's been going six, which is great. We got maybe two or three. Yeah. But he goes seven this time. One earned run, nine strikeouts, one walk, three hits. I mean, DeGrom, we know how good he is, but he very, he very quietly had the best August of any starting pitcher, pretty much. He led all starting pitchers in August with strikeout percentage at 43%, which is basically Diaz level, but a starter, which is crazy. A 136 batting average against and a 0.55 whip. Crazy. Incredible. 
but the record and accolades go beyond just this month. He's allowed one or no runs in a hundred of his 204 career starts. Half the time that Jacob deGrom has taken the mound, he's either shut out the team or only let up one run. Uh, that is quite the record for him in MLB history. And also, in front of the City Field faithful, this is what I loved, he's a great home starter as well. Two or fewer runs in each of his last 16 home run uh, home starts, excuse me. One shy of tying the MLB record set by Blake Snell in 2017 and 2018. Um we talked a lot about the, uh, how things are going to change once DeGrom is back. You know, this team will figure it out once DeGrom is at the top. And now he's here. And now Bassett's firing on all cylinders. And Scherzer's been Scherzer. And it's just been such a difference maker to have him go in the middle of every series and basically guarantee yourself a chance to take every series because you have the best pitcher in baseball on the mound. It looks like he's healthy. It doesn't look like he's going anywhere. And seeing him go seven was very, very nice. I know six innings is a good start. You take that to the bank. But to go from DeGrom to Ottavino to Diaz, it just seems like the other team does not have a chance. So he is the apple of my eye. Against a lineup like that, seven innings of one run ball. Plus he only had 93 pitches. And so could have kept going. Kept going. Yeah. Maybe in the future. I'm thinking maybe in the playoffs. You want to know something crazy? Here's my thoughts here. Sure. I'm going to speak directly to the camera. So I feel, like, I feel like Jacob DeGrom has another gear do you want to know why why because he's only pitching to one side of the plate right now he's throwing completely glove side aiming for the same spot throwing that fastball at 100 on glove side inside to lefties away to righties and then that slider off of it i think he's doing that because he's just getting his feet under him from that long shutdown I think he's starting because you'll see him out there shaking a lot, trying to get to that back door, the curveball, whatever the case may be. I think he's got another gear because he's given up one hit every game and it's a solo home run because guys are leaning out over and selling out on that fast, especially righties. We saw Justin Turner do it. We saw all these guys lean out and try to just get a home run. And when you're throwing 100 and they guess right and these are big league hitters, you can give up a bunch of solo home runs. And I think DeGrom is on the verge of starting to pitch into righties, backdoor that slider, maybe even mix in a changeup or two with that curveball as well. I think he's got another gear to allow these guys to stop leaning out over that plate. These right-handed hitters are leaning out and still not touching him, still striking out 50% of the time. And I think the greatest pitcher on the planet can still rise up another level above everybody. That is my assessment of what could even be another level of Jacob DeGrom. like that a lot. Very analytical, <laughs> honestly. Pitching guru right there. I'm watching him, and I, I see him. He's starting to shake more, which means I think he's getting frustrated because he sees a he sees he's feeling normal. He sees an opening that they could go over here and just shut it down, and he shakes like six times, and then he did it to Freddie, yeah. um, which is an amazing matchup to watch. I love seeing those two. Always. Uh, but he wanted to throw something backdoor, a backdoor curveball, and he had to shake 11 times to get to it. And by that point, even everybody knows what he's going to throw. Um, so it's kind of a wasted pitch because it's a surprise thing. So if he pops it up you know, without having to get 11 shakes, uh, it, you can bring it on. So I think if he opens up the other side of the plate, he starts shaking more in and out. I, I just feel like he's got another level. It's crazy to think about. I it's mean, crazy. even if he, even without that another level that you mentioned before, the slider has just been 
incredible this season. Uh, 70 at-bats against the slider, 37 strikeouts. That's well over 50% strikeout rate. The fastball, if you can call it this, has been the weakest pitch because of a couple home runs led up to it. Hitters are batting 104 against yeah, this fastball. Yeah, the, what's the slugging against it? 250. 250? Yeah. Okay. It's That's even, the highest of any pitch. Yeah. It's the it's because they can sell out yeah. and dive, uh, and they're not going to do that. Mookie, you know, if you're pitching inside at 100, 103 from, from here, yeah. you can't because you've got to trust it because all of a sudden – you get stood up, yeah. So I think he, I, I think I see it coming too. And no one's hit that curveball yet. He's only, he's only thrown a handful of yeah, them. I think uh, Freeman fouled his off. Yeah. Um, but you know, if if you throw that mix into there when they're spotting up here and they're staring at that one spot in the zone, and all of a sudden you throw over here, you know, what are you gonna do? Do you think we see Degrom go a hundred pitches in the regular season? Yeah, I think maybe oh, once. Yeah, I think one time. Okay. You know, just to kind of prove it that he's been there. You already lay down that track work. Yeah. Um, to be able to push it into. I do. I do. I think he feels really good right now. Um. Yeah, I, I don't see why not. Because I think they they let it rip in the playoffs for sure. Cool. I, I well, we so. talk again. We'll sum up. We talked about the bullpen usage. We started to have the conversation yeah. before. So. Buck Showalter's plan is coming to fruition here with how he's used the bullpen this whole season. He's babied them in a way. No back-to-backs or very few back-to-backs with one three days in a row and not a vino. Yeah, literally. I think that's the that only, was the one only we can I think it was, yeah. and it, was, it didn't work out. But now he talked about it the whole season and in preseason. We're going to take our time because Buck Showalter sees a big picture. He sees in September, October – November that they're going to need these back end bullpen guys and they're rested. Yeah. Now he's going to start throwing them frequently, more often, getting them ready on back to backs to be able to to do it in the playoffs. He saw the big picture the whole time, had the patience and understanding during the season that you might have to sacrifice a moment, let another guy step up and try to do the things in this marathon of a baseball season because when the crunch time hits in September, which we are finally in, yep. you're going to need those guys and you're going to need to push them. And so I think we're going to see more of our impact guys in moments um, where we haven't always, we've given them rest. I think you're going to see them ramp up. And you, like you said, with this schedule against lesser teams on the winning percentage side, um, I think he's going to start getting them in there um, on a schedule. Mm, I like that a lot. And, uh, yeah, I mean, the only guys that we've really leaned on a ton were Adovino and Diaz, obviously. Uh, I'd say more so earlier in the season, not so much recently. Uh, they're the only two guys on the Mets in the top 50 of games thrown by relievers. And then you see a lot of overlap with, like, contenders. Their names pop up a lot here. I see a lot of Braves. I see a lot of Astros, a lot of Rays, obviously, because they lean on their bullpen. But the Mets have really protected the middle relief guys. You know, they've had to use Diaz for six outs before. They've had to use him on back-to-back days. And he's obviously the best weapon there. Um, But at the same time, you know, the fact that we can only recall him using a pitcher three days in a row one time this season. The fact that we remember it. Exactly. Because of how (laughs) poorly it went. And they still won that game, by the way. uh, Because I think that was the plumber game. Um, It just goes to show how much of a far cry this is from Mets teams we've seen in the past that have used relievers for 70 to 80 games and regularly three days in a row 
more than once throughout the entire season. So, I mean, the Mets bullpen is finally starting to take shape. I think we've seen much better performances from Trevor May. Seth Lugo has just been consistently good for a while now. I think, you know, Michael Givens, you know, it, it was a six-out save, or not save, six-out performance when they were losing, but that's significant to me because he faced the heart of the Dodgers order. All of those combined are, are giving me a good feeling going forward. Yeah, I mean, they're you've got um, Drew Smith on the verge of, of possibly coming back who yeah. could be an absolute weapon, who's going to have opportunities to show that he's back. So you're going to have, you know, that, that that outing by Michael Givens when you're losing, you kept the Mets in the, within striking distance right. against a, a playoff team, which you're going to be called in. If you can, if we're down one run and you can keep it at one run, the Mets are one outing away or one inning away, one time at the plate from taking the lead, tying it, and then getting to your other guys. Like, they're so important. Every time you come in from the bullpen in the playoffs, you have to throw up a zero. Yeah. You have to, unless it's a, a Trevor Williams style where he's coming in to get give you three, four innings on something that that comes out of there, and you give one run. Those are those are impactful because it's, it's coming down to it. We've seen Buck Showalter and Billy Epler and the entire organization of the Mets have this huge plan for the season. And now we're in September and that plan's laid out before you. And we're here. Yeah. We're through the tiredness of August, the dog days of summer. Yeah, a little bit. A little <laughs> we made bit. it. This is Jolly's first full season yeah. uh, of grinding it out on the baseball season. And it is taxing. Yeah. August is tough, but now we're into September. Now the teams that thought they were on the verge of possibly having the the Miami Marlins that thought they were going to be a contender but isn't quite, now you're not playing meaningful baseball. We are playing meaningful games in September. Your adrenaline spikes because you can see what's on the horizon. We're chasing and in a least, we're still running that down. We have the Braves breathing down our necks. Um, and you have the playoffs. on the. We're on the verge. And so the tiredness that is August, because you're, you know, that's in the middle of nowhere. Now we see the end, and we can make that last push. You're coming around on that final turn, and you can see the finish line. Yeah. And so now your adrenaline spikes again. You get that last win that you need to, to run towards the end. So. We're I, here. I think that, like, you know, we we talked a lot about the Braves, obviously, this season. I think the fact that they've just been on us for over two months now has really helped the Mets continue to play solid, successful baseball and not take the foot off the gas pedal. And, you know, you mentioned before, this is my first season covering the Mets and, you know, doing this every day. Uh, it's definitely taxing. And it's way more taxing for the players, obviously. Definitely so. Uh, and I'm still just as excited as I was in April. And it's been a while. It's been a while since I've watched meaningful games in September. We haven't seen Jacob DeGrom pitch in the playoffs in seven years. But a couple of these guys on this roster have never even seen a playoff game. You know, it's it's probably, you know, exhilarating for them. And uh, to, to go into September feeling that rejuvenation, coming off a massive series win against the team that everybody said was better than you, uh, can probably ride, a, you know, put some real wind in your sails for the next month or so. It's going to be fun, man. And we uh, we have reinforcements on the way, too. Uh, the guys that have been on the sidelines dying to get back into things. Uh, Luis Guillorme's groin is looking a little bit better. He's going to begin. Did you get his... a good look at it? I did. I, I was in the room, actually. I was like, you know what? I've seen a lot of groins. His groin's looking better, Jack. Looking better. 
<laughs> I can, you know, I can, t- I can tell it's you. It's from the last time you looked at it to this time. <laughs> First it's time better. I saw it, I was like, mm, mm, I, <laughs> I didn't see on there. I didn't think we we're gonna be going there today, <laughs> but I'm glad you got a good look at Guillaume's groin. That's nice. Uh, see, this is why I gotta like read over what I write on the outline. <laughs> He's beginning his rehab Sunday, and then our guy. Tyler McGill struck out the side last night for Double A Binghamton in his inning there. So, and you said he touched ninety seven. He did touch ninety seven. Mm-hmm. I did not see his groin, but okay. I'm sure it's fine. Not this time. Yeah, okay. I'm sure it's fine. And uh, Francisco Alvarez does not need surgery on his right ankle. Thought I'd throw that that in there as well. Yeah, that's good news. Um, I don't know what his September looks like comparatively, or what it would have looked like had he not gotten injured. Um, yeah. But I'm sure he's going to stick around. Yeah. So that's exciting. Fingers crossed. Yeah, I bet he I mean he's gonna he's if he's rehabbing, he's gonna be here in getting big league rehab. Uh Get him in the clubhouse. That's I think it's gonna happen. I hope so. You know, if he's not playing, he's gonna be around the yeah. team. They're they, they this isn't this organization now figures it out that it's important for guys to see the culture of winning, to be around it, even on the peripheral where periphery? Yeah, on the periphery. Yeah, I think that's right. Yeah, it's got to be right. Uh, to see it firsthand and to witness it, <laughs> to witness, yeah, just vocab, real quick, <laughs> you know, grammar. Uh, to see it firsthand, what it takes to win, to to be around it is huge for a young budding potential yeah. superstar uh, to learn what it's like and to have those guys there would be important. Um, Devin Marrero, Adonis Medina. Uh, getting the call-ups, um, Adonis doing his thing. It's good to see him back him. up. Missed you missed him. him. And now we mentioned young budding superstar Brett Beatty hits the IL, UCL tear in his right thumb. He's going to undergo possibly season-ending surgery. The timetable doesn't really work in his favor. If he were to come back, it would probably be for the playoffs. I don't think the Mets would do that. I think it's probably a little too jeopardizing for a young kid. Tough, tough turn for him, but he had a couple huge moments with the Mets in some really key games. Uh, I think the uh, the glimpse we got into Brett Beatty was pretty exciting. That's that's a, a good cup of coffee we got yeah. from him. I imagine they're going to do the same thing. We're talking about he'll probably have his surgery. He's going to stick around the team uh, for rehab. HSS. I don't, we probably can't say that. No, I don't think we can. Yeah, that's. Uh, I don't. Well, we'll edit that out. We'll strike it from the record. Yeah, it was. Uh, but th- he'll probably stick around the team as well. Yeah. Um, just to get a, a view of it. He made a good contribution, hit a couple of home runs. Uh, very cool. Yeah, and uh, it, it all makes me think about uh, Nimmo's postgame quotes after game two where he said, uh, you know, come up through the system. This is the stuff that I dreamed of, you know, like finally playing these games and it's finally happening. Um, and I liken Nimmo a lot to guys like Beatty, the young version of Nimmo, because Nimmo came up in 16 when they were – Scrappy wildcard team, you know, you were on that team. We, yeah. yeah so. I remember rehabbing with him in 15 when yeah. I broke my arm. He was down there. Um, still the same exact kid. I'm sure. He's still the same guy. Just as nice and polite as before, uh, but a way better baseball player now. And he was the young kid getting a glimpse into he got to a winning see. team. He got to see what it what it's like to be around a ball club. Even in, in spring training, he was around that year uh, in 15. To see what it takes, yeah. To see what it what guys put into it at the highest level, uh, and that was so beneficial to his career. Um, I love I love Brandon Nimmo. The excitement that he showed on that catch, the way he talked to the fans in that post game, saying, "This is fun. This is playoff baseball. Thank you for coming out. Your energy 
creates energy for us. We feed off of it. And it's true. Yep. It's true. You can feel it. Everybody understands what's going on in that. In the stadium, in the clubhouse. Uh, it's fun. Yeah. And it's it's a long time coming for a lot of these guys. Jeff McNeil has never had a postseason game played. Mark Canna, uh, I think only with the A's. Oh, not a game. But he came up. When did McNeil came up in 18? 18? Oh, yeah. so he's been around. Yeah. Poor teams. Yeah. And yep. I think Eduardo Escobar has one wild card game. So he's going to oh, he's going to be so fired up, There's man. a bunch of these guys that have been starting Marte since 2015 hasn't played in a playoff game with the Pirates. What about McCann? These guys I think McCann had that White Sox game. So here here's the thing, you, there's guys that play their entire career. Yeah. Great players that never taste the postseason. Yeah, McCann has one game. It just had never n- never pitched in the postseason. Uh, or or played you don't yeah so it's a team game so yeah. as good as you are it doesn't matter look at what Mike Trout has been doing yeah in Anaheim so this people are going to appreciate it and perform and be thankful and grateful to be on a team that's playing meaningful games in September really making a truthful bid to try to win the World Series uh, from cover to cover uh, it's special man and the players feel it the fans feel it uh, the the crew here feels it. Yeah. You know, the the SNY crew that we talked about understands the significance of it. They've been itching to put together a product. It's coming together, and it's a long month. We You don't know what's going to happen, um, but I promise you they're going to they're gonna put together really good brand of baseball trying to win the ball games the way they've been playing all year long. So, uh, Edwin Diaz and Seth Lugo never pitched in a postseason game. Tywan Walker has one postseason start for the Diamondbacks, one inning four and runs against the Dodgers. Seth Lugo was in 16, yeah, though, so he game, was though. didn't get in the game, yeah, but, but he, he was, was a around. big piece of that team, for yeah. sure, and the rotation back then. But yeah, I, I, I kind of love that about this team. It's the fact that these guys are hungry to get either their first opportunity or, you know, a first opportunity in a long time to play meaningful October baseball. And, you know, it's. I think it is a difference maker. You know, you face the Dodgers team that goes and makes that trip every year. It is. And those guys are used to it, and maybe it's not as special to them anymore. I'm sure their eyes are obviously still on the prize. But this Mets team was doubted and counted out when the Braves got hot and were told that they can't compete with a team like the Dodgers. They've met every challenge, and now the only thing on the horizon is this ensuing push. And well, I think they're all excited. I'm sure at a later episode we'll dive into who has been and hasn't been because I think that's a very yeah. important and, and fun topic to talk about. But that's why Scherzer's here. Yeah, He is vo- the vocal leader as well. He's going to talk to the pitching staff, even the hitters, and be like, look, Things are going to get elevated. These are these are some of your expectations. This is how to power through it. Um, you got a guy like Degrom that's been in a World Series before himself, um, and I feel like he's opened up a lot more this year. Uh, and seeing those guys go back and forth, uh, you, you're going to lean on the veterans. That's why you signed veteran players that have been around for these moments to be able to say, "Hey, come over here, put his arm around a young guy, even Pete Alonso." Yeah, to be like, "Hey, Pete, take a breath." Don't put the pressure on yourself. Relax. Whatever the breathing techniques, whatever it is, these older guys will be able to, to the veteran players that have been around and done it, be like, hey, look, this is what you got to do. These are the things that I do. It's it's going to pay dividends. That's why you sign a veteran player, um, not just for the baseball, yeah. but for the intangibles like this, uh, to push forward. And I mean, the Mets have played in front of some large crowds this season, but 
it won't compare to the playoffs. It's just a different environment, a different animal. And uh, I am really excited for Pete, too. I kind of forgot about Pete. Pete's never played in a postseason game either. And I'm sure he's dying to get out there. Yeah, Pete loves the spotlights. Yeah. So, and he shines. So that's exciting. You want to look ahead? Yeah, I mean, September's going to be kind of, I don't want to say boring. No, it will not be not boring. Be boring but, but you're talking about against. No no more heated matchups until October, I don't think. Well, we've got we've got the Braves one more time. That's in October tour- Oh, is it? Yeah. It's right. Oh, it's at it's, the end it's of the season. It's a weird season because we were delayed. I'm going to consider so October got, yeah, to be September. That's totally fine. The last month of the year. Yes. Uh, it's going to be, it's still going to be a grind because yeah. the, the Braves aren't going away. Uh, we just have to play the Mets brand of baseball because the teams are sub 500 starting with, are they the worst team in baseball? I think so. The worst team in baseball. A three game <laughs> set against the Washington Nationals. Woo-hoo. It is David Peterson coming back to to start the first game. He's seven and three with a three two one. He's trying to make his stamp on making that postseason rotation. He's going against Josiah Gray, who's seven and eight with a four six seven ERA. Peterson faced Washington once this season on the thirtieth of June. He went four and two thirds, gave up four earned runs, six hits, four walks, one K's. One of his only uh, rough outings yeah. of the year, but he looked great against Colorado in his last start. Six shutout innings, four hits, no walks on 7K. It's got a big W. Uh, Josiah Gray faced the Mets in his first start of 2020. Didn't go great. Four innings, four runs on eight hits. Uh, and Jeff McNeil in his career, one for three with a homer. Mm. That's game one. Game two, Max Scherzer against his old team. He's 9-4 and four with a 2-2-7. He's going against Patrick Corbin, the other end of the veteran scale, who's 5-17 and 17 with a 6.56 ERA. But he got a win recently. Did get a W recently, <laughs> which broke an incredible streak of like 44 straight yeah, I think that's the number. games without a starter getting a win, which was a, a record in baseball, which means if you set a record in baseball, <laughs> it's going back. <laughs> yeah, that's not a good one. Uh, Max Scherzer versus Washington in two starts in the 2022 season. He's 2-0 and with 12 and two-thirds inning pitch, five earned runs, nine hits, three walks, 11 Ks. He struck out 11 in seven brilliant innings but took a 1-0 loss in his last start. Patrick Corbin versus the Mets this year, 0-3 with 17 and two-thirds innings, 13 earned runs on 27 <laughs> hits. <laughs> Uh, he does have 19 strikeouts against nine walks in that term with two home runs. Nelson Cruz in his career against Scherzer, 10 for 27 with a homer. That is probably the best mark of anybody yeah. against Scherzer. That's incredible. Uh, Pete Alonso versus Corbin, shockingly not as impressive, but still pretty darn good. 13 for 34 with five home runs. That is game number two. Mm-hmm. And the final, the finale, game three, Cookie Carrasco coming back. He's 13-5 and five with a 3.92 ERA. He's going up against Eric Fettiwap, who's 5-9 and nine with a 5.29 ERA. Carrasco last pitched on August 15th versus Atlanta, and he exited in the second inning. Uh, was he the first one to go down between him and Taiwan? He was. Yeah. That oblique strain. Glad to see him back. It was a quick turnaround, if I do say so myself. Uh, Fetty versus the Mets. Pitched decently in one start, I think, and a bad. Uh, he's 0-2 with a six and a third innings pitch. Eight earned runs, 13 hits, three walks, five Ks, two big home runs. Uh, familiar foe, Nelson Cruz against Cookie Carrasco, 13 for 37. Uh, with five home runs. That's like the same line. Yeah, that's crazy. Uh, and Starling Marte against uh, Fetty in his career. He's three for eight. Lindor, five for 14, both with a home run. Uh, that is your three-game set against the Washington Nationals. Well done. 
Great preview, as always. That's fun. I enjoy doing it. Yeah. That. Nelson Cruz's numbers against Scherzer <laughs> and Carrasco are crazy. Nelson Cruz against a lot of people. Those got to be impressive. Obviously, probably old, but still good for Nelson Cruz. I like that a lot. Um, yeah, I mean the Mets get get a little a little breather here. They do get Josiah Gray, and he's always a really fun watch in my opinion. He's got some really good stuff. Uh, still trying to figure it out a little bit. Younger guy, but uh, Patrick Corbin broke the Nationals' dastardly streak. He's at a 6.56 ERA on the year. That's pretty rough, uh, and the Mets usually hit him pretty well. The guy that kills Patrick Corbin, J.D. Davis, is no longer with us. Uh, so Pete Alonso is the resident Corbin killer now. Uh, and Eric Fetty, um, I guess, would be, yeah, the number three of this rotation. Has not been great this year. Um, the Mets should pounce all over this team. They got him at home in front of a great crowd over the weekend. They'll have blackout night tonight. And, uh, yeah, like you said, Cookie Carrasco's turnaround from a, a mild oblique strain Jeez. was very quick. Two weeks, basically. Yeah, That's that was took. wild. I'm glad. Hopefully, I mean, he's learned, he's learned not to rush back sure. um, in very recent times. So I, I expect that he's feeling 100% for them to let him come back so so quickly. And I think it's a big start for Peterson. Uh, you had mentioned before when just I asked you. Just so you know, I just looked it up. Uh, yeah. Nelson Cruz, one for nine, career versus me. Really? Yeah, I think it's a home run, though. Is it a solo shot or something? Let's see. I just looked it up. Who would you have been? So he would have been with, oh, was it like Mariners A's? Uh, Rangers. Oh, Rangers right. A's. Yeah, it's yeah. much older than that. Yeah. That was when they were really good. Yeah. The two Those straight World Series. Teams. Probably should have won the World Series in 11, but we won't talk about that. Well, I, no I wouldn't bring it up to listening. him. Yeah. They're, not, <laughs> they're definitely not listening. <laughs> no one got lost in this Mets podcast for 50 minutes and just heard that. Um, yeah, Cookie gets the turnaround. Big star for Peterson. Um, I'm starting to warm up to your idea Okay. of Peterson being that game four guy in the playoffs. I'm, okay, I love it. I really liked what I saw from him in the last outing. It's the Rockies, sure, it's but still. Right, it was a double. Okay, it's not bad. Well, can yeah. he? I mean, he was kind of fast when he was not fast. No, he, he raked still. He no. he's not slow. No. He wasn't. He wasn't. He is now. Yeah, but he can get to second base. Uh, yeah, Peterson in game four. Peterson in game four. So here's the thing. Again, we talked about it. He's a lefty. Yeah. He's got one of the most dynamic sliders in the game. Yeah. A big swing and like miss. Like up there with Scherzer and Diaz. And level. he's throwing gas. His average fastball is like 94 to 96 right now, touching 97. Uh, that is a weapon. And if he's facing off against a lefty-heavy team, uh, you can bring him in in the fourth spot. Here's the thing. To me, the biggest detriment to him being in the rotation will be who is stellar in the bullpen at the time. Yeah. Because you've got Diaz. He's the ninth. You've got Adovino, if he's still cruising, in the eighth. You've got Seth Lugo. If you have those three, plus Trevor May, if he decides to be, you know, if he continues looking how he's looked, that's four absolute weapons. Then you have Tyler McGill, who's definitely going to be in the bullpen. If he looks like he can be there, you don't need Peterson to be in the bullpen. But if one of those or two of those guys aren't at their best when the playoffs start, I could see them pushing david peterson into a significant role in the bullpen you know which is a you know you have to talk to him and get that mentality right but he could be a weapon out of the bullpen too from the left side yeah throwing 97 with that slider um but i do like him in that fourth spot because you can let him just go out and just throw nastiness get a different look a lefty look um 
He's been great all year, man. And when he's on it, he's just as good as anybody else in this rotation. We saw it last start. Mm, I think a, so, personally. Yeah, I, when that slide is working. Grom. He's well, not as good as Shrews. That's fair. That's fair. That's fair. Um, I keep for you know, yeah, DeGrom's yeah. transcendent. Um, but also, the alternative you presented there with you know a couple two-inning monsters and Peterson and McGill, that's a pretty good option, too. Peterson so, I mean, And Peterson could give you more than that, if yeah. need be. Yeah, if need be. Yeah, but, you know. but again, that's a crunch time. Those are, those are significant innings. Um, we talked about what Michael Givens' two innings meant yeah. in, that, in the bullpen against the Dodgers to keep the, the score where it is. David Peterson could give you that and more yeah. for like three you know one time through the lineup if just throw an absolute shed balls uh like shed and balls, shed balls the and the sliders uh i'm for that man so we'll yeah see. i mean mets have a really good problem on their hands he's the deserved of, yes. of being in the rotation but the bottom line is what does the team need when they you know trying to win a world series and he's swallowed pride and actually taken pride in to do whatever role that that needs be and if that's in the bullpen that's a significant piece yeah i mean he's bounced around more than anybody up and down between leagues and between the rotation and the bullpen and plenty of big spots too you know so sometimes going well sometimes not so much we'll we'll take a, a quick look at the the playoffs if he's game four starter he's in the bullpen in games one two and three yeah just in case and then they will make a change in that fourth spot if they need him in those first three games out of the bullpen and then the question becomes cookie or taiwan or do you use five starters in that case, I I don't think I would use five yeah, I don't personally think they will. because you know if you're in game five you want to. It'll be on the Cookie middle. or Taiwan. Yeah, so that's another just kind of tough call that the Mets have to make. Not yeah, a- again, this is looking too far forward, which I don't like. I love looking forward. I I don't like you know. looking this far forward as a I don't want to jinx anything, but mm-hmm. as my transition from player, you know, to media yeah it's i have to a little bit and so i'm trying to break off these weird superstitions i never that thought I have. about it like that yeah i guess if you're in the clubhouse you never want to have those you'd, uh, you'd never want to think Ever. because you just it's it gets too big sometimes you let you let buck showalter and billy epler look big picture you just put your head down and you do what's laid out before you yeah starting pitchers can do it a little bit easier because they're building up for something but a bullpen guy Everyday players like Lindor, you got to keep your head down. You got to worry about today. You can't think about, well, in three weeks, we're going to have some meaningful games. No. What do I need to do today to get locked in? And and it's hard. And you can't think too big picture. And if you do, you're like, yeah, you start to jinx it and, and worry too much about your numbers on a larger scale. So, yeah. I, but it is a transition for me to start thinking, you know, bigger picture. I won't as make far you do anything you're not comfortable. Well, I got to get out of my comfort zone. Yeah. I'm doing podcasts, which isn't comfortable. It is now, but yeah. it wasn't. I'm doing pre and post game. 95 episodes. You know, <laughs> nearly on. I'm almost there. <laughs> I, I do feel comfortable and it's fun. And I like trying new things and, and pushing limits and, and talking about baseball on a larger, larger picture and looking ahead is out of my comfort zone yeah. but I, I like doing it because uh, as a fan of the game of baseball you have to take a step back every once in a while because uh, Mets fans know this is a grind of a season yes. those those people uh, that are in there watching following along every day you, maybe you don't get to watch every game but you're checking box scores you're watching highlights you're listening to us recap it this is a long season every once in a while you have to take a step back look at the big picture and be like okay we're here where are we and and appreciate where you are and look at where you're going because 
the shape of the bullpen can win you a World Series, how it's laid out before you, who's in that rotation. Right. So, you know, I got to take a look. You know why I think I like looking ahead so much? I think it's because all of the looking ahead I've done in the past seven years has been, okay, what's next season's <laughs> roster look like? What's the free agent Next year's like? our year. Is somebody yeah. going to come up? Like, what, what's he going to look I like next year? I can't believe, I can't, as a being, I was a part of the 15, the 16, the 17, 18 years. Yeah. Uh, it's, I'm old, man. It doesn't feel that far away, but you've only really known bad Mets teams I, as yeah. far as, so... I know a lot of people respond. Appreciate to me. what you're seeing because it's you know, hard. Appreciate like, it. They'll say 2006 kind of felt this way. 86 obviously mm-hmm. felt this way. But you know that's out of my wheelhouse. Completely. Never, never be underappreciative of a fun baseball season. Yeah. You know they the Yankees talk about they're spoiled and they only want to win a World Series. They you know and so they're unsatisfied with a good season. Sure. You're not going to be. You can be disappointed that you didn't win a World Series when you think you should have or think you could have, um, but you appreciate what you're going through because it's fun. Yeah, I mean, 2019 is one of my favorite seasons ever, and we finished in third place. Don't get spoiled. No, I don't. I, I just can't see it happening. Stay humble. Stay in, hungry. And you know, it'll be different for. <laughs> I think the Mets are bringing in a lot of newer fans, and this is what they're going to yeah. be accustomed to. The entertainment factor is helping. Yes. Uh, so that's exciting. Let's wrap this up, man. Yeah, We've been chatting. Sorry. We've been going on. Jack's bored. He wants to. Hear I you. see him over there twiddling like, his mustache. Come on, guys. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> this was fun, though. Yeah. I love being in studio chatting with you guys. That's I think that's why we've been long. It's You've got the chatting. Peter on a heater shirt that's fire. Check out some of our merch, by the way. we got yeah. new t-shirts that we've, we're inspired. We put them together. The Peter on a heater. That's we got fun. Next Man Up. we got a Scherzer shirt. we got anything you can think of at shop.jumboymedia.com. Go hit the Shea Station section. And more to come. i got plenty of ideas, and I'm sure our audience does too. Yeah, shoot us ideas. We'll Tweet put it us. together. We'll Literally. make it happen. Yeah. I think that's it. All right. For Jack. For Jack. Also known Jolly. I'm Jerry. Let's go Mets. We'll see you guys Monday. Labor Day. Labor Day. I'm doing that one from home. When it's close to my birthday. <gasps> I sent you your birthday present. You did? Yeah. Oh, what a guy. It's not a big deal. You're gonna like it. We're family around here. It's true. Jack, did you Let's send go me? Mets? Send him a present. Your present was my idea. <laughs> it was. <laughs> <laughs>